Welcome to Sunday School Dropouts, the podcast where an ex-Christian and a non-believing sort of Jew read all the way through the Bible for the first time. I'm Lauren O'Neill. And I'm Nico Bakulich. And let's get biblical. You got it. Real quick, though, want to let you know some things. Number one, I have a cold. And if it sounds like my skull is 50% snot, it is. Number two, this is not a Christian Bible study podcast. it's not appropriate for children. Also, I'm the ex-Christian. And I'm the non-believing sort of Jew. And what are we reading today? Well, we usually read Bible, or as we call it colloquially, uh, Bibble or Kibble or... We've never called it Kibble. Mm-hmm. Or the Ribald Bibald. <laughs> These are just some of the fun and cool names that we came up with. Um, anyway, but... Together. That's right. After a long brainstorming mm-hmm. session. But we're not reading that thing today. In fact, we're reading something sort of Bible adjacent, which is called the Gospel of Judas. Gospel of Judas. Very apocryphal. Extremely apocryphal. Could not be more apocryphal. Mm-hmm. Um, I have some extended fast facts. Extended fast. So they're like medium facts. They're like fast, but they go a long way. Wow. Yeah. So that's like the best of both worlds. Speed and endurance. Mm-hmm. B-O-B-W. So the story of how this manuscript was found is pretty wild. Mm. So it's a Gnostic text. And like many other Gnostic texts, it was found in a cave in Egypt. As we know, Gnostics loved throwing books in caves. That's right. <laughs> Printing presses were churning day and night, just trying to fill up all the caves in Egypt with secret knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, they loved codices. They loved binding things with questionable materials yeah. and just burying that shit. And just, just throw it in a cave. Mm-hmm. Um, and the climate in Egypt in general... Is very good for preserving you mean a political things. climate? <laughs> no, and we're not going to talk about that on this podcast. Um, but like that's you know mummies are preserved. You know, it's, oh, it's I love just a mummies. Good, yeah, you love mummy honey. Mm-hmm. We know um, it's you know become an issue in our relationship, but it keeps it keeps really well. Things keep in the dry Egyptian desert. Um, so it's like surprisingly common for just someone who lives out in a really rural area to go out you know, looking for firewood or whatever, and then stop. stumble upon some ancient yeah. codex, find some skeleton with all his favorite heresies buried with him. Sweet. So in the 19th century, the people who one can, of my top centuries, <laughs> one of the worst centuries on record, uh, people figured out that they could sell these things to Westerners for a lot of money. Um, this particular codex, it's called the Codex Chacos. Oh. Is um, it was found in the 1970s in a cave by a shepherd or whatever, um, who sold it to a local antiquities dealer, who sold it to a bigger antiquities dealer mm-hmm. in Cairo, et cetera, et cetera. Changes hands a lot of times, um, and it's in Coptic, so no one can read it. None of these dealers can actually read it, mm. and they don't know what's in it. They don't know that it's actually a huge deal. Right. Um, they just know it old and it came out of a cave. Yeah. And we've known for a long time like that the Gnostics had a text called the Gospel of Judas. Mm. But we've never been able to find it. So this is like... You huge... and all of the other treasure hunters out there. <laughs> yeah. Me personally mm-hmm. with my deep knowledge of Gnosticism. So like this is a huge deal but but the people who have it don't know it. 
So it gets passed around. It sits in a safety deposit box in a strip mall in Long Island for 20 years. Wow. Um, of all places. <laughs> just Well, fun thing about the climate in a strip mall in Long Island is that it is not as good at preserving things as Egypt is. Now you're talking about the political climate, right? <laughs> no. And I refuse to talk about any political climates. Except when I constantly talk about political climate. Political climate change is what we need. Oh, no. In any case, this thing sits in a drawer and decomposes. Until what? Until when? Until finally someone buys it and they see that it's decomposing. So they stick it in a freezer Mm -hmm. uh, to try and preserve it. Unfortunately. Because freezing is the opposite of decomposing, as we all know. I mean, it works for like food. Um, It works for like. But it doesn't like. Human bodies. Un- decompose decompose things. things well they were it doesn't like compose things they thought you know that's why you hire a composer they thought you know it's falling apart we gotta just halt it where it is sure uh unfortunately it does not work that way for manuscripts and so what happened was like it, it affects the ink it like makes the ink expand so some of the pages like just turned black mm. like the ink just like expanded and then also now that it's been frozen if you touch it it just like crumbles apart sweet um also, throughout all this, like the various dealers who had control of it would keep shuffling all the pages around um, <laughs> and they would try to put, you know, like the highest quality ones at the top because that would hopefully entice someone to buy it for a higher price. Right. So when this manuscript finally reaches, you know, scholars hands who can actually translate it, it's in terrible condition. It's all out of order and half disintegrated. Mm-hmm. A bunch of it is permanently destroyed. Um, and so they have to like piece together these tiny fragments and it takes years and years. So it's finally translated and published in 2006. Wow. 2006. That's a fresh batch of mystery nonsense. From yeah. The past. Like we just learned about this like the other day, geologically speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, so it just spent like most of its time. Either forgotten or being treated actively yeah. like shit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's just Professor Numbnuts let it rot. <laughs> it's funny that it was better preserved in a cave. In the mystery cave. Yeah. Then for like centuries. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then as soon as somebody got it out of mystery cave, they decided to like just actively. Like, let's take this to New it. Jersey. Yeah. <laughs> I know where it'll be safe. Well, Long Island's not New Jersey. I know. But yeah, pretty much. Um Okay, so but what we do know about it is it's a Gnostic gospel. It was written relatively early, probably around the year 150, originally in Greek, but our one and only copy is in Coptic. Mm. Before we dive into the Gospel of Judas, I want to briefly review how Judas is portrayed in the Gospels that are in the Bible, mm. um, kind of like we did for Mary Magdalene, but there's a lot fewer like misconceptions about Judas, so it won't take as long. Basically... In the regular canonical Gospels, Judas is one of the 12 disciples. Um, Judas is the Greekified slash Anglicized version of the name Yehuda, mm-hmm. um, which is also sometimes rendered as Judah or Jude. Like Mary and John, it's an extremely common Jewish name at the time. Judah being, you know, one of the 12 tribes of Israel, mm-hmm. um, being the name of one of the kingdoms, you know, the southern kingdom. Um, and by this time, it, the literal translation of Yehuda is like God will be praised or something. But mm-hmm. by this time, it means Jewish. And in modern Hebrew, that's how you say like Yehudi, Yehudit means Jewish. Um, 
So very popular name. In fact, there's another disciple also named Judas, and Jesus has a brother named Judas. Mm-hmm. Um, so our famous betrayer guy is Judas Iscariot, to distinguish him from the other ones. Mm-hmm. Um, as with Mary Magdalene, the Iscariot probably indicates where he's from, but no one's really quite sure where where that is. Mm. There's not like an obvious, there's no like place called Iscaria. So people aren't sure what it means, but probably indicates a geographical location. Um, in the canonical gospels, Judas obviously betrays Jesus, mm-hmm. turns him over to the Pharisees. Has a great time. Uh, we don't get to see him enjoy the money that he makes. <laughs> well, actually, in... He, yeah, he gets he gets thirty pieces of silver. Mm-hmm. In Matthew, he like does it specifically for the money. Uh, in Luke and John, the devil makes him do it. And in Acts, we do get to see him enjoy the money. He buys a field. Uh, unfortunately, when he's out plowing the field, he trips and falls and uh, explodes. <laughs> and his right, I have forgotten about that. <laughs> yeah. That's so awesome. Um, And because his blood is spilled everywhere, then it's called the field of blood. Mm -hmm. In Matthew, it's a little different. Judas feels guilty and tries to give the money back, but the Pharisees won't take it back. So he hangs himself. um, And then the priests have the money, but they can't use it for any like official temple stuff because it's blood money. Mm -hmm. So they buy a potter's field, which at the time just meant it's a field with like very clay mud where potters would go to get clay. And they use that as a burial place for foreigners. I'm not sure why burying foreigners was a responsibility for the priests to take on, but they did it. And uh, because the field is bought with blood money, that's why it's called the field of blood. Got it. So, so there's like a, a plausible reason why there would be a field called the field of blood. Yeah. I which mean, is that he fell over and exploded. <laughs> well, actually, probably the most plausible reason that it's called at called that is because it's full of red clay right <laughs> um but when you go back you can you know a name like field of blood how are you not gonna the stories just write themselves yeah honestly. you gotta put some symbolism mm-hmm. on there plus i heard from somebody that he fell over and exploded uh yeah in fact actually there's a church father named Papius, mm-hmm. who is writing, you know, named a, a, Explodor. a couple hundred years later, who actually has like his version of Judas dying is like he swelled up so big that like the doctors couldn't find his eyes <laughs> and then he exploded. Nice. Yeah. Um, I'm glad somebody's out there doing this work. Important work. Bart Ehrman has an interesting theory about this is like kind of off topic, but I think it's interesting about how this like went down in real life. Mm-hmm. Um, and he thinks that probably the historical Jesus, you know, had all his public teachings about love and forgiveness and whatever and only claimed to be the Messiah in private mm. um, because, you know, the Jewish concept of the Messiah is this earthly ruler chosen by God to reunite the kingdom of Israel and throw off their oppressors, defeat their enemies. So it's like a very political position. Totally. So the Romans don't care if someone's out there preaching about forgiveness, but they do care if he's preaching that he's going to like overthrow the oppressors. Yeah, it's an expressly anti-establishment preaching. Yeah. And um, so Bart Ehrman thinks that the historical Judas's betrayal wasn't just identifying Jesus, you mm-hmm. know, it, like in the garden, like, hey, this is the guy. But it was actually telling the Pharisees that Jesus was claiming to be the Messiah, mm. which gave them something they could actually turn him in for. Got it. I thought that was kind of interesting. Uh, anyways, in Acts, uh, they vote for a replacement 
for Judas because they have to have 12 disciples for some reason. Yeah, so, I, didn't, I didn't think it's in the Jesus Constitution or whatever, whatever but you got to yeah. have one. They they vote in uh, a guy named Matthias. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's Judas. Obviously, we still use the word Judas as, you know, just meaning traitor, as in the televisual masterwork Riverdale when somebody calls Archie a ginger Judas. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... Also, the other historically significant thing about Judas is that he becomes very quickly a like anti-Semitic caricature mm-hmm. of like money grubbing, sneaky, like duplicitous Christ killer, and uh, and of course his name already means Jewish. How convenient! So it's kind of interesting to get this Gospel of Judas. It's which is not at all responding to that particular caricature, but not at all. But given that that caused so much uh hatred throughout mm-hmm. the centuries it's interesting to get a different view of it totally and i also think it's very interesting to take the character that is the most uh like evil mm-hmm. acting human it, whether he's motivated by satan or not he still does the most harm to to jesus of anyone personally yeah uh, by betraying him yeah and it seems like an interesting task to try to write some alternate gospel History. about yeah the betrayer, you know, yes. like it would be a good, like Lady Gaga did. Totally. It'd be a good lead off. That's what I'm saying. It's got a lot of buzz around it. Even <laughs> regardless of what the material is, you'd be like, did you know that there's a secret gospel of the betrayer Judas where he's not actually evil? Anyway, you got to read this. You can't see me, but I'm waggling my eyebrows very suggestively. Agreed. Um, so that's that's canonical Judas. Gospel of Judas is not canonical. It's apocryphal. It's written by Gnostics. As a brief reminder, Gnosticism was a popular but rather strange form of early Christianity that was eventually deemed heretical and stamped out. Uh, Gnostic is an umbrella term. There were lots of different kinds of Gnostics, just like there's lots of different kinds of Protestants or whatever. Um, But the basic deal is they believed there was a true perfect God that they called the Godhead who lived in this perfect spiritual plane called the Pleroma, which is Greek for fullness. And then in addition to God, there was this hierarchy of other types of divine beings, and some of them are good and some of them are bad, and the world was created by a bad one. And uh, that one's called the Demiurge and is often identified as the God of the Old Testament. So that's why the world sucks and is full of suffering, according to Gnostics. It was created by a shitty lesser God, but the true God sent Jesus to us to give us secret knowledge or gnosis, hence Gnostics. And if we have... A spark of the divine in us, then we can use the secret knowledge to rejoin the Pleroma heaven when we die. Is there anything else we need to cover about Gnostics? <laughs> no, but it's it's funny to me that you compared them to Protestants. Because in my mind, the idea of Protestantism splitting off from the the main church at the time hinged on, you know, just a, a different way of interpreting this same holy text or like a different approach to interpreting it. While the Gnostics believed in, like, the fucking shadow dimension <laughs> and gave new names to everything. Yeah, but there was no Bible yet, so, like... It's a really good point. There's no reason that the shadow dimension couldn't become the Bible, except that it's weird and annoying. <laughs> but, like, so is the real Bible, so... Yeah, I mean, all the... Yeah, it's funny, because, yeah, all the compromises that ended up in the real Bible are just as weird i mean they're I, I not as weird is the thing it's it's tough to judge because we're so acclimated to well they're just much simpler mm-hmm. they're just way less complicated so 
you know, just like Occam's razor, this bitch, and give us the New Testament. But Protestants, there's like a million different denominations just based on like tiny different little opinions mm-hmm. about like, well, we think that you need to be baptized in, as an adult. Right. New denomination, whole new church, you know. So that's kind of like the Gnostics. We don't really know that much about them because like. Oh, yeah. One of them thought that there were like 12 eons in the in the eighth layer. But another one was like there are actually nine eons and it, the, the, oh, there are only seven layers. Yeah, exactly. So and and because we don't have like a whole lot of evidence because, you know, like the church fathers who ended up prevailing Mm -hmm. they did everything they could to like destroy and hide all this stuff so we just know like they had a lot of different weird beliefs i don't know that they're different dudes they we don't really know Mm. um but should we talk about the gospel of judas yeah let's talk a little bit about the gospel of judas also another thing about it is you know like most gospels most gospels the ones in the bible are Mm -hmm. like um the gospel according to Matthew, the right. gospel according to Luke, as in like this is the person who wrote it. Mm-hmm. But that's not this one. This is the gospel of Judas. And it is framed as a secret conversation between Jesus and Judas. Yes. Starts out the secret account of the revelation that Jesus spoke in conversation with Judas Iscariot during a week, three days before he celebrated Passover. And as we know, Passover is when he gets arrested and then killed. So mm-hmm. this is happening uh, right before his death. Jesus's and Judas's death, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, Whether by explosion or by hanging. Yeah, one or the other. Both great options. Mm-hmm. So it starts out saying, you know, Jesus was on earth. He was performing miracles. And uh, he'd try and tell his disciples some secret knowledge. He didn't always appear as himself uh, because, you know, Gnostics have a, a Ducetic view of Christ. So Which they is think that he's a hologram. He's not really a human. He's, yeah, he's a hologram or like an anamorph. Mm-hmm. Or uh, some of them thought that he was like a divine being that could inhabit different mortal forms. Right. And, so he could like possess a child yeah. or a bear or whatever the fuck whatever he Whatever he needed. Yeah, like, I mean, a, like an anamorph. Yeah, like an anamorph. Mm-hmm. Um, so <laughs> it just is like, so one day... Jesus saw the disciples doing the Eucharist, which is a little confusing because the Eucharist is like supposed to be modeled on the Last Supper and the Last Supper hasn't happened. But like, whatever. He saw them they were doing, doing something. They he were saw doing, them doing a Seder, I guess. Or, yeah. Or the, the weekly bread breaking thing that early Christians did or whatever. Right. Right. But like in the narrative, they, they don't do that yet because <laughs> he hasn't had the Last Supper. Yeah. Great point. I mean, whatever. Obviously, this is not hinging on like documentary evidence Mm -hmm. um but so he sees them breaking bread whatever and uh like in a in a religious way (laughs) and he starts laughing bread in a religious way (laughs) he starts laughing at them because jesus is always laughing at people Mm -hmm. in the gnostic gospels he's a huge asshole that's true always laughing at people and they're like why are you laughing dude his gnostic twin thomas also spent most of his gospel laughing at people yeah and pulling pranks Mm -hmm. piece of shit piece of shit so the, the the disciples are hurt that he's laughing at them and he says, I'm not laughing at you. That's the direct quote. I am not laughing at you. Um it's just like funny that you guys are praising this dumbass god that created Earth, mm-hmm. you know, because that's like not even the real God. And they're like, But I thought you were the son of God and he's like, Lol, no. <laughs> and they're like, Well, what are you even doing then? Like what is what's going on? I, just, I thought we had a whole thing going. 
Um, I like that the Gnostic version of Jesus, a couple weeks before his death, pretty much just packs it in. And he's like, oh, no, no, none of this is true. Uh, right. Like, why? <laughs> why? Presumably he's the one who taught them how yeah. to do this Eucharist stuff. What'd you do? You were like recruited all these disciples and then you were like teaching them not the right thing. Yeah. And then, and then later you're laughing on, at him for laugh not knowing the right thing. Oh, no, no. You should have known all of that was bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> There's actually a secret super layer to all this shit that you can't see. And he's like, OK, so if this like fucking second rate rent a god that you're worshiping is <laughs> so great. Why don't you come here and look me in the face? Because apparently that's very difficult to do. And none of them can do it except Judas. Dun, dun, dun. The person you'd least expect if you I, already exactly. knew the story. And Judas says, I know who you are and where you have come from. You are from the immortal realm of Barbello. Of course. <laughs> and I am not worthy to utter the name of the one who has sent you. And Jesus hears this. He hears the key word Barbello. And yeah. he says, just like you pass in the requirement for the quest in the video game. Okay, you come with me because yeah, we with can't me. talk about Barbello, Barbello in front of these people. Yeah. By the way, Barbello in some Gnostic traditions was the first emanation from God. Okay. So basically she is the second most powerful divine being in the universe Got after it. God. Got it. So it's like comes from the realm of Barbello. <laughs> Um, yeah, so pulls him aside. He's like, okay, I like this Barbello thing that you've got going on. <laughs> I'm hearing a lot of chatter about Barbello out there, <laughs> and, and I like it. Uh, I'm going to teach you some secret stuff that's going to blow your fucking mind. But it's not going to be easy because those other 12 doofuses. They 11 doofuses. Well, 11 doofuses, but he says 12. Yeah. Maybe he already knows about Matthias or whatever. I think that's the implication. Um, he's like, they're not going to get it. And they're going to be jealous of your threads. And they're going to kick you out of the club. And Judas is like, wow, okay. So, like, that's that's crazy. Like, when are you going to tell me these dank-ass mystical secrets? And then Jesus just disappears. Yeah. The end. <laughs> Bye. Okay. It's like, here, come over here. I got some stuff to tell you. Bye. <laughs> that was just his way. That was just his way. That was just his way, yeah. But he does get back to it. But before he gets back to it and we get back to it, I think we're going to take a quick break. Um, you're going to hear... A track that was actually usually I make all the music for the show, except in cases where I where I note it. But we got a track sent to us by our listener, Jonathan. And I'd really, really love to play it for y'all. I know you're going to enjoy it. I'll see you in a little bit. We'll be back with more Sandy School dropouts. Bye bye. Second John, and I'm here to say Jesus came to earth in a physical way. He wasn't a hologram, he wasn't a mirage, he was in the flesh like a human gosh. Don't be a deceiver or antichrist, just believe in Jesus and be nice. Welcome back to Sunday School Dropouts. My name is Nico, and I'm Lauren, and we're still talking about the Gospel of Judas. Jesus just left. He disappeared. He just stepped out for a moment because he's back in the next scene. It's not an issue. Yeah. He stepped out of like our plane of existence for a moment. Mm -hmm. And when he comes back. We call it the shadow step. The next day. <laughs> That's what all the kids are doing in the clubs. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the shadow step. Uh, Jesus comes back the next day and the disciples are like, um, where did you go? Why did you disappear? <laughs> 
And Jesus is like, uh, well, his exact words are, I went to another great and holy generation. Yeah. So this is baby boomers, I assume he's talking about. <laughs> that is not a great and holy generation. <laughs> well, what do you mean? I mean, all they did was, uh, you know, ruin the residential real estate market for everybody else. Um, live the prime time of American light capitalism and then constantly complain about anyone else that uh, has anything bad to say at all. Um, you also forgot that they ruined the environment. Mm hmm. And that after getting college for cheap, they became the people who charge usurious student loans. In any case, he's hanging out with the great and holy generation, mm -hmm. which is like, I, it's like some fucking spirits or something. He's like, just, I, I went to hang out with people who were cooler than these stupid mortal humans. Mm -hmm. And the disciples are like, but we're like. The 12 disciples. I thought we were kind of like hand picked us. I thought we were the cool kids. <laughs> your vision of heaven on earth. So and he's like, no, I was hanging out on like this fucking non-human spiritual plane mm -hmm. that you you wouldn't have heard of it. Yeah, you couldn't possibly imagine. Mm -hmm. And they're like, OK. And then uh, a few days later, all the disciples have like a collective vision together. Mm -hmm. um, Which and... is very popular these days. <laughs> also what the kids are doing. Yeah. <laughs> What they see in this vision is much closer to what the kids are actually doing. <laughs> in this vision, there's there's a temple with twelve priests, and a crowd of people there is waiting for the priests to do their sacrifices. Mm -hmm. uh, but the priests just keep doing this horrible shit. They're sacrificing their children, their wives. They're having gay sex. Mm -hmm. Uh huh. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and as they do all this, they say that they're doing it in Jesus's name. And Jesus interprets the vision for them, and there's a lot of holes in the manuscript at this part. Which is great. It reads like <laughs> it reads like the Watergate tapes with the expletive deleted. <laughs> it reads like Mad Libs. <laughs> but basically, what we can tell is that he's saying they're the 12 priests. The disciples are the 12 priests. And they think they're doing holy stuff in his name, but really they're worshiping the stupid, bad demiurge. It's funny because this is actually good Bible writing in, at its core because it can be interpreted both in that way and like the mystical way, mm -hmm. but also as a warning to the disciples about like, when I'm gone, you're going to have to keep a tight hold on the church. You know, that like, even if you're doing the sacrifices or performing the rituals, you could be doing it um you know not in god's name if you're if you're not well, he being makes a holy fun person. of the sacrifices and rituals because those are that. all made up by the demiurge mm. so he's like your whole shit is fucked up like none of this even works yeah i was trying to give it some credit there um, because like that is a thing that happened to churches obviously they be as they accrue power they become more corrupt yeah and lose sight of the things that they were originally founded to do but i guess you're right i guess he is just making fun of them because they <laughs> i mean it's very nice of you to try and like find a serious way to interpret this mm -hmm. but he is just making fun of them and laughing <laughs> because he's springing this shit on them even though he taught them the other stuff i know i get like I, it's as if we're supposed to think that someone else taught them the other stuff or that they were just jewish they yeah were, they were just jewish and he didn't have any doctrine except this magic stuff yeah but for some reason they were following him because dot 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 question mark i don't know step three question mark question mark question mark um Judas asks, what kind of fruit does this generation produce? Mm. I'm not 100% sure what this means. It's the oh, lead you know up, what they mean. <laughs> the lead up to it is confusing because there's so many holes in the manuscript. Thanks to Professor Numbnuts. But <laughs> I think that he's saying like, 
okay, so these these cool kids that you're hanging out with in this other dimension, what's the deal with them? And Jesus responds by saying basically, like, well, humans are just these mortal husks and they die. I I really want to read some of this just to give you an idea. Yeah, an please, idea go ahead. If you haven't read the manuscript, what it what it sounds like with all of the holes in it. Okay, um, go ahead. Jesus said, it is impossible to sow seed on rock and harvest its fruit. Classic Bible stuff. This is also the way, dot, 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 the defiled generation, dot, 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 and corruptible Sophia, dot, 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 the hand that has created mortal people so that their souls go up to the eternal realms above. Truly, I say to you, dot, 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 angel, dot, 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 power will be able to see that, dot, 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 these to whom, dot, 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 holy generations. So. I like that it almost heightens the mystery. The mystery, yeah. It's like stuff. such secret knowledge that we, like the reader can't even it's, have it's it. Yeah, even from history now, yeah. you know, that like it was inevitable that these manuscripts be like corrupted or shaded in yeah. some way that so we can't Effaced get the full truth, way, yeah. you know. Corruptible Sophia? That seems so interesting. Yeah. Because like wisdom is like an emanation of God. Right. And she, in some Gnostic myths, is the one who gave birth to, or rather, created from herself as a sub-emanation uh, the the stupid demiurge. Mm-hmm. Um, but so then Judas is like, uh, hey, can I tell you about this vision that I had? And Jesus laughs at him again. Sass- and, sassy Jesus. And says, you 13th spirit, why do you try so hard? But speak up and I shall bear with you. Oh, I don't know. why. Why am I trying so hard? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. It's like, I mean, like, try hard is like a stupid, edgy insult on Twitter now, you know? It's very strange that Jesus would make fun of someone for trying trying hard. hard. (laughs) It's like, stop getting so care mad. (laughs) Um, So then virtue signaling means a very different thing in the Bible. In the Bible. Judas describes this vision that he had. On his own, sadly, not a collective vision, mm-hmm. um, in which the other 12 disciples stoned him, and then he followed Jesus to a giant, huge, enormous house with all these people going inside, and he wants to go inside, too. Now, this giant house has a, a living roof. Which, a living roof? Yeah, which is just like... That's very trendy right now. It's very trendy. It's like the... Uh, Academy of Arts and Sciences yes. in San Francisco, California. You grow your own herbs up there. Our hometown. Never need to go herb shopping Also, again. they help with the heat island effect. Whoa. Because they, uh, I don't know, somehow regulate the temperature of the building in a better way than just having a concrete box. So, like, architectural insights 2,000 years earlier. Totally. Very impressive. Uh, Jesus is like, sweet vision, bro, but you're not getting into that house. Because <laughs> mortals can't go in there, just angels and emanations and eons and In fact, shit. I shouldn't have even told you about it. <laughs> but then he also says, like a few lines later, uh, you will be cursed by the other generations and you will come to rule over them. In the last days, they will curse your ascent to the holy generation, which sounds like, sounds like Judas is getting into that house. But he shouldn't? it's unclear i don't get it seems very it seems like jesus did a did a 180 from one line to the next but also there's a bunch of holes in it so like maybe there was a transition that was a little smoother in the original Mm -hmm. and then jesus tells judas okay i'm gonna teach you some stuff no one else knows and he lays out a this is where the book gets (laughs) freaky yeah so he he starts telling 
the Gnostic creation myth or a version of it, which is um, <sighs> it's unnecessarily complicated. Yeah. So there's like, I never understood why people always said bat shit was like the craziest. Like, what's so crazy about bats shitting? I mean, they eat stuff. Um, I mean, because bats, like, if you're batty, then you're crazy. Mm. And so then bat shit is even crazier. I see, because that's what the bat doesn't need. Yeah. Like, so that must, like, a, but wouldn't that be the sanest part <laughs> well, of the bat it's just, then? I think it's just like a uh, an intensifier, such as chicken shit, you know? Like, mm-hmm. ch- if you're chicken, you're cow, but if you're chicken shit, then you're like a real You're not coward. even a chicken. Yeah. Mm. Bat shit is like, you know. It's like they tried to do badass but then it sounded like badass, and they were like, no, 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 that's not what we're trying to say. It's, this is a bad thing. It's not badass. Well, I'm confused by that one, too, because, like, donkeys aren't cool. <sighs> what about the talking one in Genesis? I mean, he was pretty cool because I think he went to heaven. Did he? I don't know. Something like that. <laughs> Regardless, Gnostic creation myth, we can do a real abbreviated version of this because it's like fucking, first of all, there's a bunch of holes in it. So it's confusing. Second of all, it's confusing even when there aren't holes in it. And third of all, it's boring. Um, but basically, like, so there's this all-powerful God who lives in a, a, quote, great and boundless realm. And he creates a hierarchy of angel-type beings, also called eons. So you got, like, the ones at the top, like Barbello, are the most powerful and holy. The ones at the bottom are less powerful and holy, but they're still, like, way above humans. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so then these eons start creating eons of their own, and those eons create eons. And of course, those are going to be even less powerful because they're created by other eons, not by God. Mm-hmm. And then eventually we end up with these two angel dudes named Nebro or Yaldabaoth and Saklas. So a lot of Gnostics uh, said that Yaldabaoth was the demiurge uh, who created the world and humans and uh, is responsible for this uh, cosmic failure that is the world um but here it's Socles, mm. not yelled both and Socles is aramaic for fool that's cutting out a lot of shit can we talk for a moment about the some of the terminology in this we can try <laughs> i just i just not in like a academic or you know a knowledgeable way just mm-hmm. more of a gawking and and joking kind of way a gawking like and you know clocking. how we do on our show normally yeah sure <laughs> first of all it talks a lot about clouds Yes, especially luminous clouds. Luminous clouds. I love the idea of every like these powerful beings are described as luminous clouds, yes. which is very interesting because it's like you know if you're looking at space mm-hmm. and and yeah, you do see in, some like the cloud nebula, luminous cloud. In some sci-fi, there is this idea, you know, that there could be intelligent beings that are just simply not constructed of, like, carbon, mm-hmm. like we are, mm-hmm. but are instead made out of other materials, like a, a, a cloud of dust sure. or something with the electromagnetic waves and whatnot yeah. creating thought in between it. It is very sci-fi. I do feel like Gnosticism is way more sci-fi than regular Christianity. Anyway, the great angel also... One of the one of the top tier beings in this universe is called the self-generated. The self-generated. Which is also super sci-fi. Autogenes is the Greek. Oh, Autogenes. That's yes. badass. Yes. That's a nasty donkey, baby. <laughs> um, 
So Judas asks if the human spirit dies. Mm -hmm. And once again, Jesus' answer has a lot of fragments missing. Seemingly apropos of nothing. Yeah, it it doesn't seem to follow. Again, maybe there was a smoother Mm. transition before it rotted away in Long Island. Um, And... I've rotted away a few nights in Long Island as well. (laughs) Jesus seems to say that basically some humans don't have immortal souls and they were just created by Sackloss to worship him because he's vain and foolish. Mm -hmm. But other humans do have the spark of the divine in them that lets them into heaven. But that seems to contradict what he said earlier that like no mortals could ever enter the house or whatever. And then Jesus starts laughing again. And Jesus is like, why are you laughing? Why are you always laughing? None of this is funny. And Jesus is like, again, it says, I'm not laughing at you. It's so weird that those are like the exact words and that they happen multiple times in this text. Mm -hmm. I'm not laughing at you. It's just, I'm just laughing at this world is so dumb Mm -hmm. and like it's so fucked up and like everyone has these gross physical bodies and like. (laughs) He thinks it's hilarious. The the great comedy of human life is that we're all so concerned about what happens when it's. It's like you're walking around in this like meat sack and trying to worship this like bozo god and it's just funny (laughs) i mean it is kind of funny um and judas is like okay fine (laughs) i'll accept that whatever but uh i wasn't taking notes but (laughs) i didn't write down like what the five great angels were and what they were in charge of 72 principalities and whatever but he's like okay so what about the people who follow you, like what's what's going to happen to your followers? And Jesus is just like, well, they're pretty much screwed because they're worshiping this fake God. So, oh, well. <laughs> but then he adds um, to Judas, you will exceed all of them for you will sacrifice the man that clothes me. Because Gnostics, of course, believe that Jesus wasn't really a human. He was either a hologram or he was divine spirit temporarily inhabiting the clothing of a mortal body. Oh, so Judas, oh, so, that cracks the whole code. Yeah. Judas didn't betray anybody. He freed, by getting Jesus executed, he frees him from his gross mortal meat Oh husk. my God, he only betrayed the, the covering, not the spirit of yes. Jesus. In fact, it was a good thing, mm-hmm. because now Jesus gets to leave this hilarious body that he's always <laughs> laughing at. Um, We call it the chuckle factory. (laughs) Then Jesus says, look, you have been told everything. Lift up your eyes and look at the cloud and the light within it and the stars surrounding it. The star that leads the way is your star. And then it says Judas lifted up his eyes and saw the luminous cloud and he entered it. And you're like, oh, okay. Like Judas just fucking ascended to heaven. Mm -hmm. Like end of book. But it's not the end of book because now suddenly we're back in the real world somehow. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's some lines missing. And then the Pharisees have arrived. Um, They're not in the Garden of Gethsemane. They're in a house. And Jesus is praying in the guest room. And the Pharisees come in and uh, Judas is like, oh, yeah, he's in the guest room. Go grab him. They give him his money. And they take Jesus away, and that's the end. There's no crucifixion scene. Yeah. And it's not that the crucifixion scene is missing. We know that's the end of the text because back then they put the title of the text at the end instead of the beginning. And so that's where it ends. And then it's like the Gospel of Judas. Mm-hmm. Starring Yeah. Judas as himself. 
Um, so in this version of the story, Judas didn't really betray Jesus. He's actually the only disciple who truly understands Jesus's Gnostic message. Such a crazy fucking judo move for the Gnostics to pull. Yeah, be judo, like, that's where they got the name Judas. Mm-hmm. The Japanese. Yeah. Cool. Um, it's such a crazy move to pull to be like, but it is perfect because their whole brand is everything about Christianity is a lie, except it's all pretty much true, except there's another layer yeah. that you actually need access to. Yeah. Which I don't understand. Like, so did Gnostics just like totally discount everything else in the New Testament? Um, well, they didn't have the New Testament. Um, but they must have had access to the other Gospels. Different groups would have access to different texts. Holy shit. That's so, crazy. A lot of Gnostics used the Gospel of John, mm. which is by far the worst Gospel. Yeah. It's also the most mysterious. <laughs> right. And it's got all this stuff about Jesus saying the world hates him yeah. and like he's not of this world yeah. and blah, blah, blah. Um, th- we're just missing so much information about Gnostics that it's hard to tell. But you're right. I was also framing my question from a place of ignorance by assuming that they, you know, had... Gotta get that secret knowledge, baby. No, I mean, like, I have to get basic knowledge (laughs) about uh, what my show is ostensibly about. (laughs) In fact, it's about me mispronouncing words. (laughs) But... 84 eps and counting. (laughs) But yeah, there wasn't, like, a canon that you could go against necessarily... Right. But there was an early, like, proto-Orthodoxy, which was presumably assembling stuff. It was, but it wasn't Orthodox yet. Mm. It was one of many competing strains. Um, so it's not like they took this established Christianity and were like, here's a fun twist Inverting on it. Inverting it, right. It was more like there were just a bunch of different strains that had influences from different philosophical and religious traditions. Mm. Um, this one probably has some jewish influence because sockless is in aramaic right and um, and a lot of this stuff with the uh orders of angels and the 72 dominions yeah, and all that shit reminds me a lot of uh, the jewish like angel configuration yeah which is jewish mysticism right um but it also is is drawing from like greek mythology about emanations that was like and greek a, philosophy yeah that yeah. was like a platonic thing yeah. god and emanations and blah blah blah. well i mean the, the platonic ideal where like there is an ideal version of everything in the world it just exists like in a in shadow space, realm yeah. in space somewhere yeah yeah i find this particular text are we rating this book i guess we should rate this book yeah yeah i find this particular text really obnoxious <laughs> um I Why? Haven't, I haven't Why? thought that of all the Gnostic texts. I mean, I obviously I don't find like this whole like wacky creation story. It, it doesn't appeal to me in any way. Mm-hmm. But um, I've definitely had fun reading some other Gnostic texts, you know, like the Acts of Thomas. Um, but I find this one super obnoxious because it just reads like someone on the Internet just being like, you know, actually, I'm not mad. I'm laughing. This is funny to me. Like, you th- you know, like, just like trying to like troll. I don't know. Like, it reminds me of, you know, the guy who got fired from Google for being sexist. And yes. then it turns out he's also a racist. <laughs> <laughs> and he tweeted that thing that was like, you know, like, everyone hates the KKK. But like, it's cool that they have wizards. 
And if you don't acknowledge that that's cool, then you're just like driving people into the KKK. (laughs) That's what this reads like to me. You know, it's like, well, everyone thinks it was bad to betray Jesus. But like, actually, because of my superior intellect, I know that it was actually good that Judas betrayed Jesus and you're actually the bad one. Mm -hmm. So isn't that funny? I'm actually laughing. You know what I mean? Yeah. And just the fact that Jesus is laughing all the time in at people, you know? It just feels like there's... Jesus never laughs in the real Bible. He's never portrayed as laughing, not a single time. Mm. Even when he's... But he's sarcastic a couple, couple of times. Yeah, but then he's like frustrated. Yeah, that's true. He never is like ironically laughing mm-hmm. at somebody, you know? And he's never like enjoying someone else's pain. Or confusion, yeah. Yeah. He's frustrated that people don't get it sometimes. Right. But he's never like, you're so stupid and you're going to hell. You know? Yeah. So if you had to give this rating, what would you give it? Oh, right. A rating. Well, I think I'm going to give it like four out of eight Immortal Realms of Barbello. Mm -hmm. It is very interesting in a metatextual way. Totally. Um, And considering just how... um, like how Judas is a pop culture figure mm-hmm. is so like universal and that everybody in the Western he, world. Yeah. I'm told his song in uh, Jesus Christ Superstar is like the tops. But, is the banger. But I've never uh, <laughs> heard it because I don't like Andrew Lloyd Webber. <laughs> um, the fact that like you, no one even has to be religious mm-hmm. or they could be from a totally different. You could be Jewish or you could be Hindu and yeah. still like everybody knows like. Judas. Yeah, it's a cultural reference. He's right. the, the greatest betrayer. Well, he's like top three betrayers of all time. Yeah. Along with Brutus. Brutus. And uh, uh, that guy. Quisling. That, uh, I was going to say <laughs> Zayn Malik. But. <laughs> no, you mean Camila Cabello. That's right. Snake. Um, it's interesting to get just anything different about that mm-hmm. is, is fascinating, especially from, you know, not that far after the actual gospels were written you know yeah, especially it's, like, it's pretty early when the field of christianity was pretty much wide open yeah it's a it's amazing i know we've covered a whole bunch of these apocryphal books from that period but it's still so amazing to think of christianity as such a malleable thing i know at the time that it was especially you know? like i grew up thinking like the Bible, like I grew up thinking the Gospels were firsthand accounts, right. you know, that were written by people who are actually there. Mm-hmm. And that like there's just this one thing that happened and everybody agrees that this is what Christianity means. And there's, you know, there's some slight differences in terms of like, oh, well, the Catholics, you know, have transubstantiation. But but everybody knows the basic deal, you right. know. Um, and to learn that actually there was like. There was no reason that we ended up with this version. Like, I mean, it's not like this version is inherently better. This is the version no, that survived. Probably, there were probably historical reasons, but, but they weren't like an like a perfectly even uh, playing field competition of ideas, right? You know, that like just the the better ideas won out, not necessarily. Right. Yeah, it's just like this. There were historical reasons. This version won. We ended up with this version, but like. That could was, have easily gone another way. That was nearly, and that was nearly two thousand years ago. Yeah. You know? How about you? What would you rate this book? I think I'm going to give it something similar. I think I'm going to give it like you know, twenty seven out of fifty two luminous clouds. Mm-hmm. Um, I love some of this mystery stuff. 
I love when Jesus just sits somebody down and is like, okay, you've earned, you mentioned Barbello. <laughs> You, you said the secret password. You said the password. You get to hear all of the crazy shit, and I hope it's worth it because it's not. And the crazy <laughs> shit is like, you know, and at one time there was a cloud that birthed another cloud. Mm-hmm. That one created an angel, which created 72 angels, which created 128 angels. <laughs> one of those angels created five angels, <laughs> which are the ones that rule our planet. <laughs> and... Here are their names yeah. and what they're in charge of. And they have amazing names. They're like yellow. <laughs> well, there's Seth, who's called Christ. Well, Seth is from the real Bible. Yeah. That was actually, so this is probably a Sethian Gnostic text. That was a group of Gnostics hmm. that like revered Seth from the real Bible. I see. There's also Galila, Yobel, and... Yobel, that's what I was thinking of with yellow. <laughs> and Adonaios. Adonaios, yep. again, clearly derived from Hebrew. Yeah, it's like halfway in between Hebrew and Greek. It's really weird. Yeah. Anyway, love that kind of stuff. Doesn't resonate with me. And also, you got to say that <laughs> what we have left of the storytelling ha- leaves something to be desired because Jesus comes off like a real D in this one. Yeah, a huge D. Mm-hmm. I like that you were just like, love that stuff, doesn't resonate with me. <laughs> well, I mean, I can, I can enjoy it as as a fan of pulp sci-fi, right, yeah, for example, yeah. where yeah. This, that's really what it seems most like is somebody generating a, a really bad but very detailed idea about yeah. a world. It's or, like Philip K. Dick novel or something. Oh, totally, yeah. totally. Um, and then just forgetting to fill in like the characters or plot right like a philip k dick novel (laughs) yeah exactly okay philip k dick definitely went back in time and invented gnosticism well i mean you know he actually had an extreme religious experience where a pink light spoke to him from god spoke to him from god and he became obsessed with gnosticism and in fact wrote a huge text about it oh really okay okay so it's not just a coincidence that it's like Philip K. Dick, he was actually influenced by Gnosticism. Yes. Great. But he, you know, unified the fields of Gnosticism and pulp sci-fi. sci-fi. Yeah. <laughs> so that is the closest reference point to this stuff, I'd Good say. Good for him. But that's enough about apocryphal gospels for today. Apocryphal gospels. It's time for the gospel of our listeners, a.k.a. Mr. Mailbag. <laughs> the gospel according to Mailbag. Listener, Kelly sent us an extraordinary email. Um, she was raised evangelical, and when she was a teenager, her younger brother passed away, which obviously made her very sad and upset. Um, but people in her church, including her quote-unquote Christian counselor, told her that her sadness was a sin because it meant she didn't trust like God's plan for our lives and like when we die. That is so fucked up. Like, the one... One of the few, like, good things that Christianity has to offer is, mm-hmm. like, comfort about grief, mm-hmm. you know? And, like... A, a, a structure for dealing with the end of life. Yeah. Yeah. The the idea that that your loved one isn't just gone, that they're in heaven, and that you can imagine them there and still feel close to them and, you know. And so for somebody to just like rip that away from somebody and just be like, you're doing it wrong. You're mm-hmm. a sinner. Like that's just, I just don't have words for how awful that is. Obviously that's not, you know, the deal with all churches, but Kelly, I'm so sorry that you had to go through that. I'm sorry too. It reminds me of what our 
sometime guest and friend of the show, Christopher Stroop, described as spiritual abuse. Yeah, I agree. Anyway, slightly lighter topics for the rest of the mailbag. (laughs) Our listener Eric wrote in and said, I come from an extremely Catholic area of the country which participates wholly and completely in our nation's favorite pastime, judging others by class and judging others by race. This place, the murder capital of our nation, is, you guessed it, St. Louis, Missouri. St. Louis! (laughs) He talked about growing up going to Catholic school and having to go to Mass six days a week. It's too many days. A lot of Mass. Too many days. Gram upon gram. He also said he's listened to this podcast all the way through eight times, which means he's probably spent more time on this podcast than we have. And I got to say, thank you, Eric, for your letter and for your absolute devotion. (laughs) And please... Please don't listen to this again or you'll start to hate us. <laughs> uh, listener Margot wrote in to recommend us an episode of uh, the podcast on being, interviewing Nadia Bowles-Webb, or maybe Weeb, who's a Lutheran pastor at the House for All Sinners and Saints in Denver, who talks about struggling with and redefining faith. Definitely going to give that a listen. Uh, listeners, if you're interested, that's an episode of On Being featuring Nadia Bowles-Webb or Weeb. Margot also sent us a video of her dog Strider trying to walk while wearing little dog booties for the snow on his feet, which is very tragic and adorable. Well, you opened up this video and Lauren immediately said, he's not going to be able to walk. <laughs> when you put booties on dogs, something goes wrong in their brains and they don't know how to walk anymore. They, they think they throw all, their legs around. They think they're already walking <laughs> they or something? They think that they're like, yeah, they don't understand that their paws have left the ground. Um... Here's a blessing for Strider. Lift up your eyes and look at the cloud and the light within it and the stars surrounding it. The star that leads the way is your star. Listener Jackie wrote in with a subject line that demanded an emergency curse for her cat. Emergency. She wrote, please curse Juno, my awful cat. She does nothing but scream at people in sleep. It's like me. Her favorite game is to stand in front of the place she wants to sit and scream at you instead of actually sitting there. I think, I mean, are you listening to her? Does she really want to sit there if she's just going to stand and and scream? Aren't you assuming? Maybe she's screaming at you about something else entirely. Yeah. Maybe she's just like, hey, hey, it's nighttime. Hey, (laughs) did you know it's dark out? Fucked up. I'm a cat. Anywho, to Juno I say... It is impossible to sow seed on rock and harvest its fruit. This is also the way of the defiled generation, Juno. Yeah, Juno. Think about it. Juno could be a Gnostic eon. Oh. Except I guess she's already a Greek goddess, huh? Or a Roman goddess. It's Roman, actually. That's why I wouldn't be Roman. Gnostic. Roman. Yep, you're fired. That will do it for Sunday School Dropouts. This- I'm fired, so <laughs> we won't be back next week. You can follow the show at SunSchoolDrop on Twitter, also on Facebook at the same URL. You can follow Nico on Twitter at Nico Bakulich, N-I-K-O-B-A-K-U-L-I-C-A. You can follow Lauren on Twitter at Lauren E. O'Neill. O'Neill spelled like Shaquille does that. <laughs> um, thanks to Elise Carlton for our logo. Thanks to Nico for our sound engineering, music, and editing. And also thanks to listener Jonathan. Actually, no thanks to listener Jonathan, who also contributed some very terrible music to this episode. Very wonderful music (laughs) by a great man and boy. (laughs) You may have noticed already, but we've joined the Recorded History Podcast Network. So if you're interested in more shows about old things, a.k.a. history shit, then... (laughs) 
look up Recorded History, the podcast network, and listen to some of our other wonderful brother and sister shows. Old shit. Old stuff from another time. We're off next week because we're traveling. Yes. But we'll be back the week after with more Bible, all the different ways that we do. My name is Nico. I'm Lauren. And we'll see you on Sunday. Bye-bye. Bye. decisions for your company, you always look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing and shipping to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your process to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, books, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart if you sell online, schedule package pickups through the dashboard, and automatically see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers, with rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are, even on the go. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other business decision makers with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com, code PROGRAM.